Here they come! Welcome to episode 176 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Kelly Hogaboom to look at the nine deaths in the abominable Dr. Fibes. Remember, short controlled bursts. Well, today's subject's got Vincent Price in it. If it, Vincent Price is in it, there can only be one co-host, and that's uh, Kelly Hogaboom. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How are you doing this evening? Well, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, talking about our Vincent. Um, I, think, I think it's inevitable. Anytime Vincent Price is going to be on this show, you're going to be the person. It, it, it cannot be anybody else, because I know you are such a, a huge fan of Mr. Price. I, I do love him, and I feel like I'm watching something with him at least a couple times a month. And, uh, you know, most people kind of know him from the 60s and kind of think of him as, you know, very campy. But he had huge range. Um, I know that you and I both love Witchfinder General, mm-hmm. and he is a straight, cold, cold son of a bitch in that film, and it's not a fun film. Um, but this is a little bit more, the film we're doing today is a little more on the campy side. It's a bit lighter, isn't it? Yeah. Now, this is a film I know I first w- was aware of um, in the 1970s with this huge slew of, you know, hardback guides to horror films that came out for some reason in the late 70s. And there was one, I think it's one in one of my Dennis Gifford books, um, there, there was one full page, full color photo of Dr. Fibes. Um, at his fluorescent pink uh, uh, organ, um, looking over his <laughs> shoulder, you know, with his skull face. And, and I just found that fascinating because it's very odd. At the end of the film where you finally do see what his face looks like, it doesn't really look like a face. It's almost like a helmet. It's like a medieval helmet or something. Yeah. Uh, but did you and I do House of Wax together? No, that, we haven't done we, House of Wax. The only podcast, Vincent but... one we've done so far is uh, when we did that um, thing on the fly. We did oh, yeah, a short yeah. season on the fly. So we did the original fly with him in it. So I've been aware of it since, since the 70s. How long have you been aware of it? Oh, probably just the last 10 years because I do hang out with other genre film fans and people like the film. Um, my co-host Tim uh, for the Beauty Beasts and the Bees podcast, he loves the film, and I, I didn't get around to seeing it until you gave me this for homework. Um, and of course, everyone's seen the. Po- I really like the poster. Um, which that- one? The one where he's kissing? Yes, Vol- Volnavia. Which you never see that scene. Of course, it's not no. in the movie, but just kind of the. Um, 70s slash art deco combo from a graphic perspective. I really like that poster. So I feel like I like was aware of the poster long before I was aware of the movie because I'm a visual artist, right? So, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, an awful lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the appeal of this film is the design of it. And, and a lot of that is down to the director. Now, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm pronouncing his name, but I think it's Foist. It's okay. F-U-E-S-T, Foist. Apologies if I've got that wrong. But um, he started off as an art director on um, British TV, on, on ITV, our commercial station that was around in the 60s, and uh, moved over and became art director on The Avengers, you know, the Patrick McNee, right. um, Diana Rigg, and then Linda Thorson seasons, which is a very quirky, eccentric, campy, fun, spy show. And... I always think that Fibes here could have made a good villain in an episode of The okay. Avengers because that that sense of oddness and quirkiness uh, Robert brought with him because, you know, he, he started off as art director on The Avengers. He then started directing uh, episodes of The Avengers before moving into films. So you've got that style and you've got that sensibility. And, and I think an awful lot, I mean... I think in anybody else's hands that wasn't an art director, where you see Vincent in his like ballroom, you know, dancing with Volnavia, you've got those images. I don't know if they're meant to be him, but you've got that, those faces on the columns. And that's an awful lot of work to produce them. And it wasn't necessary, but it just adds to the visual appeal of the film, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the film definitely has a 70s uh, art vibe, like very strongly. I mean, it was way more art film than I was expecting and um, of course I was quite distracted by Carolyn Monroe because I didn't know I was like oh I didn't know she was in this but she kind of isn't um, <laughs> she's like, in photographic form yeah. and she's laying on a bed at the end and yes. even Vincent Price sort of isn't in it for a while because you don't hear his voice for a I don't know like 50 minutes of the film I made a note. Where's my piece of paper? I made a note of it when I watched it. His first line is 32 minutes and 11 seconds in before he actually says anything. And of course, it's a recording and um, I feel terrible. But I was like, is this was this a cheaper way to get Vincent Price? Because he doesn't ever speak a line on camera. No, but he no, clearly no, no, recorded. no. Apparently, he loved making the film. He really enjoyed it. He thought that was a, a, a neat, unusual, you know, uh, uh, way of you know portraying this character you know by by this point he had been in countless films so to actually go into a studio what what, what he did was he went in and he recorded all his lines they then electronically distorted them somewhat so as if it's coming through a, a, a voice box and then played it back on set so what you've got when they're making the film is you've got Vincent Price miming to you know his own words that he can hear so very often you'll see you know his adam adam's apple is going up and down so he, he's yeah. obviously actually on set mumbling along to his actual lines and it's great there's moments in the film where it, he's really giving it his all isn't he you know absolutely in fact that when you say that the end scene with the gramophone where he's talking to joseph cotton in person uh, he did a great job acting. He was gesturing toward, like, he was gesturing with emphasis toward his own recording. It was mm -hmm. really good. I was totally impressed by that. I think if you're an actor, to have something like that, and it's like, oh, I've never seen this done before. I've never done it. I don't think any, I've seen anybody else do it. Of course, an actor's going to jump on that, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, um, I, I just feel like Vincent Price always brought such a great spirit to his projects because there are certainly other actors who kind of just showed up for the paycheck, and I just never got that impression from Price. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in the original script, the script was rewritten an awful lot by the director. I, I'll just call him Robert. It's easier that way. Um, you know, uh, it's basically the same, but he's not called Fibe. He's called Pibe. Yeah. Uh, five without the H, which is a bit weird. Um, he's still got a uh, a female assistant, but she's never named in the film. Um, he's got the clockwork figures like he has in the film. Um but she, Volnavia, is clockwork as well. We find out later in the film that she's a clockwork uh, person as well. Uh, yeah. I. So when did we see that? Because I know she was originally written as a animatronic, but I yeah. thought that they rewrote her as human. Yeah, and- Robert rewrote it. He, he threw out an awful lot of it, and uh, he rewrote it quite a bit. Um, and also, you know, he brought in uh, an associate and friend of his from the Avengers days, Brian Clemens, who came along, you know, during the Avengers uh, tenure and uh, was a fantastically creative writer um, and produced some brilliant stories for that show. And he had a wicked sense of humour. Um, he He's the guy who then went on to do Hammer's uh, Captain Kronos, Vampire okay. Hunter. Which we that know was we Brian did Clemens. that one too, which was such a fun film. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so an awful lot of the, the notions of the original script were changed. Things were thrown out. Um, an awful lot of humour was put into it. I mean, this, this whole thing where you've got the brilliant uh, John Cater getting Inspector Trout's name wrong and calling him by other names of fish all the way through the film, you know, that is a Brian Clemens Robert um, concoction. Okay, I have to ask you about that because um, in in the States, we have our own sort of flat-footed detective who's not very competent, but you guys have a different flavor of that. And I, I'm wondering, did you actually find that funny? Because I did not. Well, the thing is, that is a trope from from back then. You You, you very often would get... And especially in horror films, you'd get the incompetent, bumbling, haven't got a clue, police trying to work out what's going on. And this is a very good example. I mean, you know, it was in Deathline, another Donald Pleasance film. Uh, we were talking about Donald Pleasance earlier, not in this, Eric, such a subject. Um, but that went right the way through to the 80s. You could almost say that some of the policemen in an American werewolf in London. Um, yes, yeah. I, 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 derive a straight lineage from, you know, Trout and Co. in this one. It's just, it's just, it, it was in comedy shows, it was in horror films. Um, it, it was just a bit of a, a British trope, I think. So our trope, it's usually the cops are either corrupt or lazy. And uh, so it's a different flavor of, of bad cops. It's just interesting because I do get the sort of more bumbling, yeah. um, not very bright is kind of the, the yeah. vibe I'm getting. Yep, that sums up the difference between Britain and America. Oh. Yeah, our coppers are just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Ours but, are uh, evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it just adds to the charm of the film, doesn't it? You know, there is a lot of humour in this and not for one second. I mean, today we're going to be talking about, you know, the various depictions of, of the deaths in the film and how effective they are. But... I don't think anybody would be particularly grossed out by anything you see or disturbed by anything you see. Maybe the notion of it, you know, uh, I mean, the the last one, 
um, you know, where the doctor has to cut his oh. son open to get the key to move him away from the acid. That's almost saw like, isn't totally it? Thought, I was like, this is a proto saw. I was, because yeah. I had no idea that that was going to happen. And, um, uh, of course, he could have just thrown his coat over his son's face to give himself yeah. a few extra seconds. But anyway, <laughs> or find a bucket or yeah, something. something yeah. But yeah, yeah. But I think I think in this film that was put in because it is so ridiculous. I don't think when Brian Clemens or Robert or whoever rewrote the ending, we'll talk about the ending when we reach it. I, I don't think any of them thought that you could actually have that notion and put that in a regular straight serious horror film because it's just so outlandish this was put in because it was outlandish now in our modern age you know you do have that as as an actual way of uh you know yeah, horror. I, think, I think they're up to nine films in the saw franchise by the way are they really oh, yes good they're, Lord. they're most of them are absolute crap uh, okay all right um so all right let's let, let, let's go through the deaths what lovely music for a murder, or two, or three, or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife no fives. But you I will kill. But you can't, doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life. In his own inimitable way and experiments with fascinating instruments of death. Well, what, sir? The guitar. The ten curses visited upon the pharaohs before Exodus. Nine shall die. Nine eternities in doom. Uh, curse of boils, of bats. Frogs? Frogs, yes. And the curse of blood. Curse of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. Are you ready for Dr. Five? Probably the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. The first death, um, I'm not sure what the doctor's name is. The guy who gets cuddled by fruit oh bats. Oh my gosh, those were the cutest fruit bats. I was dying. And they even show a close-up like of the tongue. And I'm like, yeah, well, that tongue is to lick mangoes, man. Like, that is, yeah. like, they're so non-threatening. I don't know it's, his name, you know. It's, I don't remember. Obviously, I mean, you, you, you know, the... This is based on the plagues of of the pharaoh, isn't it? 
uh, from the Bible, you didn't have bats, you didn't have a plague of bats, but it was easier to do, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they, they they went off to the local, you know, animal hiring thing and just got a load of fruit bats, which, like you say, they just suck fruit. They are absolutely no threat whatsoever, but they are very big. Yes, and um, they were strange in the film because they attacked the guy and then they all just kind of died. Because when they go, the cops are cleaning them up. They're literally just throwing these limp bat bodies into the garbage. It was so weird. Maybe they just don't like the taste of uh, British people. Yeah. Also, um, the film opens so strangely because it opens with that big organ scene and then it goes right into the bats. It's mm. so, there's like almost, it's a total cold, cold open, which is pretty yeah. cool. And also we have a reference to a, a, a previous death, w w which we haven't seen. You know, the guy who was uh, stung by bees, but we don't see that. <laughs> it's just referenced. Yeah. Instead, we have this. Yeah. We see, although we don't know that that's Dr. Fives, we see the guy in the cloak, you know, in his ballroom. You know, um, this film, if you think about it for one second, it falls apart. I mean, you know, um, who, who, who decorated all that? Did he and Vol Volnavia do all that? Um, you know, did he make his clockwork uh, band? Um, yeah. Where, where's he getting all these wonderful you, toys from? Do they even say where, like how long ago he he and his wife had the uh, their accidents? Like it just weirdly doesn't have much backstory. No, I think they do mention a time, but it's not much. It's only like two or three years ago or something like that. That's a, that's He got all that building done in a short period of time. It is, it is. But we're thinking about it, and you mustn't do that. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> we're introduced to Trout, you know, and, and his men. Um, and meanwhile, I like the way, you know, we don't see uh, Vincent to begin with. We see this person in a cloak, and then we see uh, what he's got on his desk, which is a rubber nose, you know, a couple of rubber ears, and a wig. Um, which he applies. And then we get the first close-up of him, and there's our Vincent mm -hmm. um, with what looks like a bit of latex stuck on his face uh, to try and signify that this is actually a mask. Yeah, supposedly, uh, I don't know if this is true or an apocryphal story, but he actually had some kind of collodial mixture that actually immobilized his face. Yeah, I've got that yeah. in behind the oh, scenes. sorry. I've got that in behind the scenes. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. So... Yeah, he gets up, he goes out, and that's when we get death number two, Dr. Hargreaves. And I think this is my favourite death of them all, um, because uh, he's a head shrink, isn't he? He tells Fibes. Fibes goes along to this fancy, ornate, you know, masked ball, wearing his mask. And uh, yeah, he meets Dr. Har Hargreaves, the head shrink, um, and puts this beautiful, beautiful frog mask on him, mm -hmm. clips it up at the back, and we've got this bejeweled clockwork squeezing thing. Yeah, and that, by the way, that's a little saw esque as well. Oh, like when it starts, yeah, Cause when it's it a starts. Time trap, yeah, right. Because he doesn't know that it's slowly squeezing his head. He eventually goes, "Oh, this is a bit tight. This oh. mask is a bit tight," and we know what's going on. I don't know what Fibes is a doctor of, but he's a bloody good mechanic to and actually be making these. A beautiful sculptor. I mean, that's a very pretty frog mask. Yeah, he's got an eye for colour, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he starts reeling. He falls down the stairs. Um, we get this uh, um, nasty cracking and squelching noises. Mm -hmm. and, and blood starts coming out the neck of his uh, 
a helmet uh, mm-hmm. of his mask. And of course, every time one of these people is bumped off, um, somehow uh, Fibes has got wax heads of each of his you know, intended victims, and he melts their faces away, uh-huh. I guess, to actually make their face look like his. Yeah, okay, I didn't, I didn't connect that. But yes, he goes home with his little blowtorch and blowtorches the little heads that he's made. Yeah. Yeah. He really needs a different hobby. This is his only purpose in life, is this revenge art. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, if he hadn't been tracked down and they found his mansion and everything, what was he going to do next then? He was gonna. He was gonna. Uh, it'd be a more petty grievance, right? The guy that like didn't, you know, that shorted him at the gas station or something. Or cut him yeah. up at the traffic lights. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next number three, we've got Doctor Longstreet, the wonderful, wonderful Terry Thomas. Yes. Um, he he was a huge, you know, comedy actor in the fifties and sixties and the seventies. He, um, you, you know, roles were, were were drying up, but here he is. <laughs> This rather, um, 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 yeah, <laughs> how do I put it? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's wonderful. This, this Again, this is an addition. This wasn't in the original script. This little scene that he has with his uh, house lady or her coming back mid-viewing. Um, mid but, uh, yeah, and he, he was going to do all this in silence. There weren't going to be any lines. Um, this character wasn't going to talk. But, yeah, he, he's, he's desperately trying to usher his uh, house lady out the house because he's got a, uh, well, I guess you would call it uh, an educational film. I was going to say, don't you say having a wank? I mean, is not what they're yes. basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, over here. Yeah, that's what he was go- going to do if old neighbor hadn't come in. I love the way, because surely, he's, shortly, if she, if she hadn't come in, it would have been, um, yeah, a two-handed operation. Exactly, he's, yes, like, he's cranking, yeah. He's yeah. cranking with one end, <laughs> and soon he'll be, no, I can't say my daughter's not here, my daughter's around the corner, so, um, yeah, yeah it's cranking with one end and something with the other end, yeah, and I love it. it. It's just this, like, you know, black and white silent footage of a, of a snake dancer. Yeah, but I, he's, I, I have to say, I like this for the comedy, because... It's definitely not ex- like if you were watching it with a little kid, the kid might not even get what what they're alluding to here. Um, but yes, he's quite embarrassed when she comes back, and he she's like, "What is what is this? You're being naughty." And he's like, "Yeah, it, it was funny. It was yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was." And but then Volnavia comes in and straps him down to his chair, and he doesn't seem to be. Um, uh, objecting too much because he thinks he's uh, on a winner here. Right. But that's when, uh, yeah, Fibes comes in and, uh, well, he's bled dry, basically, isn't he? This was the only scene I thought was kind of horrific because they just silently, like, bleed him to death, right? Just, I don't know, man, that was kind of gnarly. I think it's the silence of Terry Thomas. If he was screaming and, 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 and um, struggling, but it's the way he's just slowly dying, isn't he? We just yeah. keep seeing his face. Uh, as his nine pints is taken out of him. So I have to ask you if you wouldn't, if you were going on a revenge rampage, wouldn't you have a kill quip or say something to your victim? I would. I'd, I would well, not be able to resist that. None of them seem to recognize him, do they? Yeah, they don't um, know who he is. Wouldn't you want to tell them why you're yeah, doing what you're doing? Yeah, and this is for my wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Around about that time, they find out that the, 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 the doctors that have been killed so far are all associates of Dr. Vesalius. 
Um, so Trout goes to see him, and there he is. I don't know why he sat on the floor with his train set. You you expect this to be another eccentric, but yeah. it's not. Um, he's uh, he's virtually the hero of the story, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and this is Joseph Cotton, right? So I don't mm. know what his reputation was um, in the UK, but of course, it feels like they're getting like this American star um, in this film um, because he was pretty well known over here. I mean, he was in Citizen Kane, and um, but yeah, he's he's kind of a dud in this film, but yeah, yeah, you you expect more out of him, don't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah, I mean that was again that's a British tradition in film get an American star because very often um, you know the film companies or the American film backers would insist on it because it would sell better when we that's start it. you know promoting it over here. That's why we had uh, Brian Donnelly um, uh, uh, in the Quatermass films in Hammer's Quatermass films. And the, rather than... you and I talked about um, Night of the Demon with Dean Andrews, right? Yeah, you just, they just kind of popped him in that film, and he yeah. he doesn't do much, but. He just pops this, up in England, yeah. has his yeah. little adventure, goes away again. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got the wonderful Aub- Aubrey Woods, um, um, who has made these 10 Hebrew amulets. Trout goes right. off to see him, uh, representing the 10 plagues of the Bible. Um, and yeah, as I say, 32 minutes, 11 seconds in, Fibes finally speaks, talking to a photo of uh, his beloved uh, Victoria, i.e., Caroline Monroe. Yes. And um, at first I thought he was listening to a recording. I wasn't catching that he was speaking through technology with his voice box. I, I was not catching on to that right away. Hmm. Yeah. And, and this is where we get the big, you know, info dump, you know, um, nine killed you, nine shall die. He's after his revenge. And at the same time, Trout is also finding out, you know, that, uh, um, yeah, his wife is dead. He was rushing back when he heard the news from Switzerland. His car went off a cliff and everybody thought he had uh, burned to death. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So next, I think it's Hedgepath. Um, who is in a car um, with his chauffeur. Uh-huh. Um, Volnavia's broke. We haven't spoken about Dr. Fibes' car with his side windows having a profile shot of Dr. Fibes. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're trying to have a covert, uh, you know, nine murder spree, right? Everybody thinks you're dead, but you're driving around in a car that's got a profile shot on each side right. in the window. And where do you get that from? Has Fibes made that as well? Well, he's a pretty gifted artist, or somebody is. He, he or his assistant. Whatever he was a doctor of, he was wasted. He should have been an artist yeah. and, a, and a mechanic. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the guy's knocked out. The chauffeur's knocked out. Dr. Fibes turns up, puts a clockwork doll in the car i don't know what that's all about Uh, and then he's got this device we don't see what happens until trout finds the car and uh yeah it's hail he's been killed by hail basically hasn't he yeah yeah kind of creepy scene actually yeah so that's that one um yeah the brilliant john cater is next um as trout's boss we've got a lot of comedy going on there he's just as uh you know um incompetent as the rest of them mm-hmm. um he can't even get trout's name right he calls him bream pike perch you know <laughs> all, all, all these names of british fish uh so death number five uh is it kitai i think it's kitai 
Yeah, and uh, they make a big deal about how to pronounce it, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, and his death is by rats in an aeroplane. Those were now, such cute rats, just like the fruit bats. They did. It, they were pet it, rats. They were all It's fat. not good at all, is it? I mean, yeah. you know, you, you keep seeing them on him. Um, there's one shot of one who looks like he's nibbling on a bit of meat. I don't know uh, what that was. But at no time do you actually believe that they are attacking. They're just no. like sat on him, you know? I also thought uh, it was very cruel, like that Dr. Fives is killing all those rats too. Not yeah, well, we got it with the locusts coming up, and we've yeah. had it with the fruit bats, yeah. This, this in the script, uh, this is a Robert change. Uh, in the script, it, he was on a boat, and there were rats on the boat, which Robert felt was nonsense, because if you're, if you're on a boat and, and you're being attacked by rats, you just jump in the water. Yeah, okay. And then you'll be safe. Sense. So okay, that's yep, why it was changed right. to an airplane. Unless it was a submarine. That would, that would suck if it was a submarine. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the budget would stretch to a submarine set. Yeah. Um, the next one is really odd because you don't see any build-up. All of these, apart from the rats, I yeah. think, you see a build-up to it. But, but this Dr. Whipkin, who gets a unicorn head shoved through his chest, there was meant to be a shot of, you know, uh, Dr. Fibes firing a catapult or something out in the street. But, yeah, he just goes through a door... And then he's propelled backwards, and yeah, there's a unicorn spike through him and sticking out the wall, isn't there? Yeah, I have thought I'd missed something, because they're literally just having a conversation, and then, boom, the guy gets impaled. And I, was, I thought I'd missed the setup scene, but yeah, they don't have one. This is the most outrageous piece of comedy, is when yeah. they work out that it's a left-hand thread, and they unscrew him out the wall don't they yeah instead of unscrewing the unicorn head so you see these feet going up in the background yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the okay. guy in the next yeah. room telling him to be quiet you just keep seeing mm-hmm. his legs come up and around oh dear um so that was death number six ne- next is death number seven nurse allen uh the nurse who assisted the doctors um at victoria's uh uh operating table I don't understand. Why does Fibes have this like clear plastic image of a woman? Well, I mean, they which he to lays show, on the floor. They, they're the the gimmick. The concept is like this is how large she is, so I'll know where her head is, so I can drill a hole right over her head. But it was really just to show a drawing of a naked woman. That was the reason they did it. It was pretty silly. I can kind of see that if that room was was really really small, but he doesn't know where to put that exactly it's, image yeah. down on the floor. But he does. He drills through the head to get a hole to look down, and oh, uh, that's good luck. It's directly above the nurse's head. And also, so, weren't they making a big deal about how secure they had that building? Yeah. But then they just put her in a room by herself without anyone in there. Well, with he's her. in the lift with them, isn't he? he he's yeah. got his back to them, but he's in the lift with a bloody great trolley full of yeah. this green goo that he's just about to uh, pour down this uh, tube, which goes down onto her, onto her bed, covers her face. She doesn't wake up yeah. um, until she's enclosed in the stuff. And, um, yeah, and he's also in this contraption he's got that's the the goo provider. He's got a tube of locusts, which um, are somehow sent down the tube. You never really see how he gets them to go down the tube, but go down the tube they do. And, um, yeah, I guess that's locust food, that that, that bright green stuff. Yeah, it looks like palm olive dish dish soap. 
it's just yeah. syrupy and yeah. Yeah, so, and uh, what that does is it picks her skull clean, but not the hair. She's still got perfect <laughs> hair, yeah. but every every scrap of flesh has gone off of her skull. So that's death number seven. Um, and that's when we find out, oh, Vesalius's son has vanished. Um, and so he calls Fibes. Fibes tells him where to go at midnight because he wants to extract his revenge. Um, and, uh, yeah, you have this great mime act when, you know, Vesalius arrives, uh, with old Vincent performing to his own, uh, dialogue. Yes. Yeah. And yep, the son has got this key near his heart. I guess he is a medical doctor then, as well as being a good craftsman, because I guess it was Fibes who put the key in there. Or his assistant. Volnavia. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. Um, yep, he's got to retrieve it to unlock the trolley and move it away from the acid, which is just about to start falling on his face. As you say, put a coat o- over it, get a bucket in there. You could do other things, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, Pres- pressure situation, though. He's only got six minutes. and Yeah. Um, that, that role of that son was so strange because I feel like they dubbed that son's voice. He is dubbed. Yeah, it's yeah. That's so definitely strange. not his real voice. No yeah. way. No way. Um, and, uh, yeah, Five says, um, he will have a face like mine and that's when he removes his mask. Yeah. What do you think of this final version of Fibes? I love it. I love the design. Um, it's a little silly. I, but I also thought the cutaway was done well where he's like, he'll have a face like mine and then it cuts away and he's already crumpling the mask and pulling up the yeah. hair. It was actually pretty well done. Yeah. Watching it on Blu-ray, though, it's it's very obvious that the, the he's not supposed to have a nose that's supposed to have melted away. But on Blu-ray, you can just see that oh. it's the the end of the nose is just painted black. Oh no, I didn't see that. I don't have that quality. Yeah, yeah, it's just painted black. The end of his nose. It's very strange. What what what's with his mouth? Why are uh, all his teeth at an angle like that? And they're in a straight line too. There's no curve. He just has no, these. And there's no gaps. That's not. Yeah. There's no mouth behind those teeth. Is there? Yeah. It's it's very. It's a little bit Phantom of the Opera esque, um, which he is very Phantomy, right? Like, oh oh yeah. Yeah. M- yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. The thing that um, I don't like about it is there's been no attempt to colour Vincent's real eyes. That's true. Behind it, the eye socket, right behind they, the mask. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a completely different colour to the to the mask. Um, so yeah, yeah, Fibes, you say Phantom of the Opera. He does his Phantom of the Opera bit and descends. As for some reason, Volnava is like slashing the place and smashing the place up. Trout and his accomplice come through. They stick their heads through the um, tapestry to have a look around. Um, the doctor gets the key out and moves his son out of the way. And um, this is, I guess, where we realise that Volnavia isn't clockwork because she stands underneath the acid, gets covered in the acid, and she does scream. It's the only noise she makes throughout the whole film, isn't it? Yep. Mm. Yeah, she kind of like gets right under there, looks up, hangs out waits for it to get her <laughs> so, yeah a little clumsy and, yep so fives is downstairs he puts a new face on bit by bit i mean we see him putting a nose on we see him putting ears and a wig on i guess there's a forehead piece i guess there's a chin piece you know and he builds it up bit by bit um and victoria's there she's in this uh strange floor cabinet double bed thing 
Did you notice at the side, by by her side, there's a, a telephone? No, I did not. Yeah, she's got a telephone down there as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, he joins her and, and gives himself a transfusion of embalming fluid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they are entombed forever. Yeah, that was gross. Um, and I don't think embalming is quite as simple as just like one little tube in and out like that. But that <laughs> embalming fluid was disgusting looking. <laughs> um, have you seen the sequel? No, it looks like it's slightly better. Um, at least in production quality. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they they move out of London for that one. Okay. And um, yeah, you got you, you got the brilliant Fiona Lewis in it, and uh, we'll have to have you back for that at some point. We'll have to have a, a sequel to our show as well as the sequel to Fibes, eh? Yeah. Are you there? Are you there? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I just, I just, this was a slow, this was slow. I I struggled to get through this film. I, I don't, even with Vincent Price and as much as I love him. Right. I, I felt every minute of the hour and 34 minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Do you know what the original ending was going to be? No, I don't. Okay. It says here, I'm, I'm, I'm reading from Robert. This is a quote from Robert. In the script, Fibes goes up a tower and throws Volnavia off and then sets fire to it and then runs away to a big sports arena where he's surrounded by police cars and I think he gets away in a balloon or just vanishes or something. But the whole ending, it was insane. Oh, uh, right. well, what do you think? Would you have liked that one better? No, 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 no. Flying away in a balloon, no, no, that's a cop-out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I... I... I just felt it was odd that he didn't kill the ninth person. Mm. Like he was such a completist, right? And he and if I'm he doesn't even know what happened, right? He just left the doctor to work on his child uh to do a surgery and then he just took off. That just mm. doesn't seem like I I thought he would be more interested in how his revenge worked. Yeah. Yeah. The ending is all Brian Clemens um Robert um, gave him the script, said, can you read it? Can you do anything with it? He went away. He came back in half an hour and he said, I think we can do this, that and the other. And that's what they did. Gotcha. Um, and as Robert says here, he, he says, uh, um, um, the operation, the key, the acid, all was Brian Clemens. So okay. it's all down to Brian Clemens. So that's that. Um, I've got a little bit on the special effects. Okay, um, which is that the the film's makeup artist was Trevor Kroll Reese, who specialised in scars and mutilated faces, specifically collodion scars. We've talked about collodion before on this show, didn't we? And I mm -hmm. think it was when we were talking either about I think it was Phantom of the Opera, wasn't it? The original yeah. Ron Chaney senior one. Um, it says here, collodion is, a, or collodion is a substance that has been used in film since Lon Chaney's day. It's two popular vari varieties, respectively, immobilize and pucker the skin, creating phony scars. Um, he had already provided scars for the acid tears in Unearthly Stranger in 1962 and various disfigurements in Circus of Horrors 1965 and The Naked Prey in 1965 as well. All right. All right. Yeah. And uh, I think that's about it. There is some talk that he would have also sculpted the wax faces, which Fibes um, um, melts. But And it's also apparently he sculpted the uh, the final face, the actual face 
of fives as well. Which I again, I I, I really like. It. I you're I think you're more particular because you're a model maker and you really like see the intricacies. But I I thought it was it felt, the whole film felt like a little bit of a phantom callback in mm. a cool way. Yeah, I think you know it it is an absurd, silly film, and I think if that was a straight out you know horror film, if this was like um, the final version of uh, Fibes's face, if this was like Hammer's um, Phantom of the Opera, and um, you know Herbert Lom had a face like that, people would laugh because right. it's just you, you know it's not in keeping with the seriousness of the rest of it, but. but I think by the time he's unmasked, we've seen so many outrageously daft, silly things that it don't matter that his face is uh, lopsided and his mouth goes down at a 45 degree angle and his eyes don't quite match or anything like that, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was totally in keeping of the film and it was, it was not a serious horror film. Although, yes, you would classify it as a horror, right? Yes, yeah. Like, if, you, if a little kid watched it, they would probably be mildly scared, right? I don't know what rating it is. I don't know what rating it is these days. Um, it would have been most probably an X certificate over here when it came out. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I can't see it being more than a 12 now. Yeah. Right. Certainly not a 15 or, a, or, or an 18. All right, so... Um, what would you give it? What, what the effects? How effective Ooh, are they? I feel like none of them were convincing, but they were fun. So I'm going to give it a six. A six. Well, I gave it a seven. All right. Okay. So that's six and a half. Okay, doke. All right. Well, I think we're done then, Kelly. Thanks well, for coming along today. Thank you. And like, um, I I was pleasantly surprised although i think the 70s is just not the best film era for me for some reason um but yeah like it was pretty cool to watch vincent price with his like i said his acting with without being able to speak was pretty cool yeah. I, yeah. I was really loving it's a that. nifty gimmick isn't it it, yeah. it is yeah. 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 yeah yeah excellent okay thanks kelly thank you eric have a good and night i'll speak to you another time cheers kelly bye-bye <laughs>